Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the All Saints podcast. I have to tell you, I could not be more excited than I am today. I have a very special guest for you who I want to introduce to you. Those of you who are watching uh, on YouTube will be able to see his face. I am uh, talking today with Pastor Jan Prorok from the Czech Republic. Pastor Prorok, welcome, and thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Well, listen, um, I want us to get to know you a little bit. I'm going to tell our listeners in a moment or two how I came to hear about you. Uh, you're a, I'll say one or two words. You're a CREC pastor in the Czech Republic. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us That's a right. little bit about yourself and about your family, just so we can get to know you a little. Okay. Uh, so as you mentioned, my name is Jan Prorok. I've been a Christian for 12-ish uh, years I became somewhat reformed in 2014, became more uh, fully uh, reformed in 2016, among other things, through listening many of the CREC pastors and me reading many of the books that come from the CREC circles. Mm -hmm. We now live in uh, Karlovy Vary, which is a town of 50,000 people near the German border. I have wife and four children. Uh, one of whom is with the Lord and one of whom is uh, supposed to arrive in April. Otherwise, we have two Wonderful. beautiful daughters and we are very grateful for uh, where God has brought us because we are in a pretty unique place, I would say, in our country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm going to get to some of those things about the, the unique place in your country in a second. But well, actually, let's just, let's just go straight there now. Um, uh, the Czech Republic, many of us over here, uh, to our shame, would need to look at a map to remind ourselves of where the Czech Republic is. Um, from my memory, uh, you have uh, Germany to the west, Poland to the north, uh, Austria to the south. What am I forgetting? Is it Slovakia to the east? Slovakia. Yes. Right, okay, thank goodness. My, my European geography lessons weren't all wasted. Um, well, listen, just jump straight in. Tell us a little bit about the the uh, the things about your where you live and the, the social situation there the political situation anything else that, that gives it that distinctive character that you mentioned so we can get a sense of where it is you're living and ministering yeah well when it comes to the czech republic we tend to th or we want to think of ourselves as kind of western europe but you know we are right. still very much eastern uh the Czech Republic has a rich history when it comes to Christianity. Many of your listeners might be familiar with Jan Hus, or as the Americans would say, John Hus. And we have <laughs> many other names, such as Melichov Kromnesic or Jan Augusta, who worked with, uh, for example, with Calvin, who worked with Geneva. But we basically had our own reformation before the reformation proper. Mm. Uh, so, and you know, that this would be a huge topic that I would recommend your listeners look into. And yeah. we had a big uh, Protestant presence in the you know, 16th, 17th century. But then, uh, according to the uh, records that we have from that time, because of the sin of the Protestants, uh, we had violent recapitalization. So mm -hmm. for a long time, being a Protestant uh, meant you would be very probably persecuted, you would just have to leave the country. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, in the previous century, we had Nazi occupation, we had communism from 1948 to 1989. So it was pretty rough. 
And what's interesting that even the Nazis and even the communists couldn't get Christianity out of people. It would be largely Roman Catholic, but in 1989, still like 50% of the country would identify as Christian. Right. right. Now uh, it's way less and pretty much every decade. Mm. If you look across the traditions, all the churches, their populations decrease by 250% every 10 years. Oh, wow. So, so you're just dropping off a cliff. Yes, we yeah. really are in a place of spiritual death, mm. which, you know, makes me hopeful that there might be a resurrection coming soon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, only third or fourth generation of those who hate me. That's what I remember. <laughs> so the decline can't go on forever. Tell us, um, if you would, a little bit about those churches, because I know that in, in various parts of Europe, um, the church scene, even insofar as it does exist is quite mixed and i mean frankly mm -hmm. in some places the fact that churches are emptying might be a good thing because it means people are less inoculated with a uh, an insipid and faithless version of our faith what, what are those churches actually like in your view yeah it's rough right. <laughs> to, to put it nicely because yeah um to give you I would say that there'll be a good picture for you. I became a Christian, huh. was very, was very zealous, went to seminary and I mm. encountered, for example, the Nicene Creed only after I left seminary. Oh, wow. Um, when I came to my first pastor after, you know, after I became a Christian, I came to a local church, which claims still by its confessions claims to hold to the Heidelberg Catechism and Westminster right. Shorter Catechism. And I asked him, so, are you guys Calvinists or are you Arminians? And the answer that I was given by a pastor was, I have no theology whatsoever. Oh my goodness. Um, in the context of our town, I have met with the local pastors and it's, um, I'm still waiting to see a pastor in my town that will recognize a modalist. Oh my, oh. Uh, I would say uh, be, there'll be a couple hundred conservative Bible believing uh, believers in the country. We have a bunch of churches that would be in the John MacArthur dispensationalist, uh, leaky Baptist uh, camp. Did you sorry, did have, you say a couple of hundred churches or a couple of hundred Christians? No, couple hundred, couple hundred believers. All right, okay. and we have. I would say what I know of, we would have about ten churches that would be conservative meaning we still believe the bible is the word of god right 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 okay and those must be very small churches then um yeah <laughs> in right. the context of america these are really small right churches, right yeah yes. yeah yeah oh, and, and it's interesting just thinking size i mean it, i i'm uh, most recently from the uk moved here in 2020 and and what counts as a medium-sized church here in texas would count as a pretty large one in in london um uh, so there's that yeah I, I recognize those size issues so it, it sounds like just thinking about the the religious and christian demographics of the czech republic you, you, what the decline you're seeing is an emptying of churches that long since lost the gospel um yes. but that destabilizes people's sense of what the christian faith is do, do you think that makes it mm -hmm. easier or harder for you or does it just make it different for you trying to reach out to the community where you are um, that's hard to say because, um, many people, many people would, you know, there'll be people who are open unbelievers and they would say, 
I totally follow the Decalogue. I'm right. a good person. I follow the Decalogue. Okay, so yeah. what's in the Decalogue? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, always like asking that question. Can you tell me what the Ten Commandments are? And most people can get mm -hmm. two of them. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, largely, even people who consider themselves Christians, I just recently saw right. a, a poll and about one, uh, about half a percent of high school students and college students uh, claim to practice some sort of religious devotion, not Christian right. devotion, some sort of religious devotion daily. Oh, wow. Right. So uh, reaching out to the community, you know, based on our experience, because we are in, we moved to the town that we are in pretty recently, just over a year and a half ago. Mm. And before that, we were in Prague, where we had a small church of, you know, 15 people, let's say, or a dozen people. Mm. And we did street preaching, we did leafletting, we've been doing anti-abortion work for a couple of years. So we would reach and, and of course, we would be on social media. So we would be reaching tens of thousands of people every week on social media. We have handed out and distributed tens of thousands of evangelistic leaflets and drop cards and all of that. And I can't really say we have seen any fruit from that. We know, you know when it comes to the anti-abortion ministry, we know about children who have been yes. saved. We know about many mothers with whom we have been in touch, able to help them, able to share the gospel with them. But... Um, yeah. Yes, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, it's uh, it, it actually reminds me of a, a, a much more concentrated version of what at times it felt like when I was ministering in London, um, a, a small church, not not so small by God's grace, but evangelistically we would. I, I spent I don't know how many hours knocking on doors and giving out tracts and doing evangelistic questionnaires with people, and it was. I had to squint very kind of hmm, uh, through one eye and just about and think very carefully to try and see any direct fruit from it. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I, I remain convinced that it's the right thing to do because I think something, I mean, we talked about this, I realized before uh, on another occasion, but um, there's a text in um, Psalm 126, um, restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. And it, it depicts the, the restoration of the people of God as being like um, rivers in a desert in the south of Israel. And there are no rivers in the desert in the south of Israel. There are these dried up riverbeds. And you think, well, how would they ever be become streams? And the answer is, well, it, it rains somewhere else. And then you get the flash floods in the wilderness. And I sometimes wonder whether the, the, the word of God, you know, we, we are in a sense preparing a, a desert and we're just praying that, the Lord will cause rain somehow in some way that we don't understand. And it won't be causally connected with what we're doing. Um, and I think it's just, it's a real lesson for us here in a place where there's a much higher level of at least evangelical and even reformed Christian profession, that the realities of evangelism and, and church planting and, and church seeking to minister the gospel uh, on the front lines are, extremely painful extremely arduous very very discouraging um uh, and you know you talk about a church of 15 and then you know you have one person joins but then one family has to leave because they get a job somewhere else and you you know can, get, can you talk about how you 
how do you handle personally those strains as a pastor and as a, a Christian and as a member of the fa- member of the congregation? Yeah, I would say, you know, a huge part of this is uh, just seeing how God acts. You know, we see Abraham building hmm. altars. And a couple of centuries later, this is where our people, you know, win the victories yeah. when they're taking over the land. So that's hmm. definitely part of it, seeing that what God requires of us is faithfulness and faithfulness in worship. And that's something that he hmm. over time blesses. And of course, you know, we hold to post-millennial eschatology. We are very optimistic about what right, we right. know God will soon or later do. And, you know, part after I became uh, a bit more consistent in my, you know, covenantal reading of scripture and in post-millennialism and so on, since I've been a translator since I was basically 15, I started translating books mm. and putting them online. And I expected that I might spend 20 years translating and not see a single person come through that. But we knew providing these resources Mm. over time, that's what, you know, (laughs) we read Augustine today. Right, right. Yeah. So God, God uses old books that someone somewhere, you know, made available. So we expected that in my lab, you know, it might take 20 years for us to see any sort of fruit. And we have seen, you know, church form around the ministry about you know form from people reading these books and coming to us right right and we see uh even though we don't know who these people are we see the people out there downloading and hopefully reading those materials and listening to sermons that we put online so i guess you know the post-millennialist in me uh helps me to be patient in in all of this and and really, you know, trust God's promises that we have for yeah. the growth of the kingdom. You know, yeah, it, I, I, I don't know what to say yet. The, uh, I've been preaching uh, through Joshua, had the privilege of kind of working through this book. We've got um, two or three chapters to go. Um, and, and in the last year, we've, we've touched on this theme of post-millennial eschatology and its practical implications a number of times. And one of the things you've just got to really wrestle with is the need for patience. Now, when the Lord says, I'm not going to drive out all the peoples before you all at once, I'm going to leave them there. And you're like, oh, that's a bit disappointing. And so, well, because the wild beasts would be too great for you. So I want to drive out the wild beasts as well. And it's like, no, the Lord's plan is for this to take a long time because what he's actually interested in doing is forming character and faithfulness that lasts through generations, that reflects his kindness to a thousand generations we we haven't had a thousand generations of people yet mm-hmm. so we, god hasn't had long enough to show his kindness and so here we are and it feels like listening to you it's it's like looking at a stock market chart of um facebook or netflix but back in 2006 when the stock was like worth this much and and just to know know that sometime maybe not in 20 years but in a thousand years where that stock is going now what's going to happen to the church in the czech republic um and i your the point you made about translation this is really i'm going to embarrass you now pastor Prorok, and i hadn't said this to you before we we spoke on one previous occasion and i didn't say this to you before but when i read the message that was sent to me from pastor booth at grace covenant church in nakadotis one of our sister churches um uh, they were the the church from which all saints was initially 
uh, a mission church. Um, so we have a lovely close relationship with them. We're only three hours away. It feels like quite a long way, but it's, it's close for Texas. Um, uh, so Pastor B sent this, this four page PDF document, um, with basically an, a brief introductory paragraph and then uh, a letter from you and a few pictures describing what you're doing. And the reason it's four pages long is because it's got in it a list of all the books that you've translated and all the books that you're currently, uh, that you'd like to translate. And this, I've n rarely seen such high levels of productivity in any Christian minister. So this is where I'm going to embarrass you. I, it looks to me, my friend, like you have just been grinding away extremely patiently and extremely hard for years. So I'm going to, I'm going to read just, there are 22 books that you've already got online. There's another 17 that are translated, but need editing. This is all you've done all this, correct? By God's grace. Right. And we're talking about, um, uh, always ready by the standard victory in Jesus by Barnson, Calvin's instruction in Christian doctrine for young children, uh, Daphne on secularized education, Gentry on the greatness of the great commission. Um, Chalmers, the expulsive power of a new affection. How on earth did you get that out of Puritan English into deck? I have no <laughs> idea. Um, you've got books by Chilton. You've got, um, some of our, our friends over here, Rich Lusk, Andrew Sandlin, Doug Wilson books by him. There are more books here that you've translated than most people in this congregation have read in the last 20 years. Now that's not quite fair. There's a lot of books here. I've just been rude to the people in the congregation. Actually, the congregation here is full of really uh, excited readers, but I want to challenge them. I mean, there's 22 plus 17, which is 29, 39 books that have been translated. In how long have you spent doing this? Uh, six years. Six years. We started in 2017, uh, 2016. Right. Um, books that are in progress. Calvin, Institutes of the Christian Religion. Just bear with me one second. Um, gonna, uh, just for those who want to watch it at home, this is half of Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, right? It's about an inch and a half thick. And you're, you're still on book one, you said. Yeah. Yes. Sure you are. Um, uh, Back to Basics by Hacopian, Theopolitan Vision by Lightheart, expect to finish that this year, and the Genevan Metrical Psalter, uh, modernizing an old Czech translation from the 1810s. Um, how many hours a day do you work? <laughs> Just struggling to. <laughs> yeah, well. That was not a serious question. I'm not looking for a number here. But this yeah. is, um, yeah. I, I wanted people to um, hear and see a man who is on the front lines, uh, who together with his family is just grinding away at the uh, extremely difficult task of pastoring and in this case now translating to try and build the like almost like the sub foundations of a reformed revival in the Czech Republic. I mean, and this is just tremendous. Can, can you do you have any uh, another job as well? Jan? do you, yes. do you have right? Yes. Yeah, I I am a freelance translator. That's been my my day job. That's what I've been doing uh, since I was about 15. I sort of inherited it from my mother. Right. So I work my job and, you know, for the last, you know, since we started this translation ministry, I've really seen my paid job, my regular job as a way to do these translations and to make these works available. That is why, you know, 
I, by God's grace, managed to translate so many books because I have been really trying, you know, we have been going, I don't want to say on a shoestring budget, but pretty close to that right. so that I could focus as much as possible on this translation work. Right. So you've been on the work of the church. You've been working as a freelance translator, pastoring a church and translating one reformed theological text roughly every eight weeks for six years. Well, if you did the math, then okay, <laughs> I did okay. the math. So. I just, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is what missionary work looks like. Um, this is what church planting and um, frontline evangelism looks like. Mission, missionary to your own people, Pastor Jan Prorok. Um, and uh, that this is really why I wanted to um, have this conversation. Pastor Prock, just just that along with, you know, uh, the evident um, love for the Lord Jesus and and uh, membership in the same denomination. Um, I'm I thank God for you. And I think we will all who are listening to this and watching this have cause to thank God for you and to be praying for you in, in um, months and years to come. Um, let Can I just talk about the church a little bit? Because you've you've mentioned um, it's a small congregation. 15 or so people mm-hmm. uh you mentioned that you're in the well i mentioned that you're in the crec can you tell us a little bit about the history of the church and try and give us a sense of what it's like and um yeah. uh, how it came to be and uh what, where, what its present situation is yeah you know th- that's uh you said you know for 15 members that's what we used to have that's when we were in, in prague so we were we were in prague which is the capital of the czech republic and uh, through my studies and through God's providence, we uh, ended up Calvinistic, mm-hmm. Reformed, Covenantal, Post-Millennial, all of these things, which basically nobody around holds to. That's, you know, we are the unicorns here. Right. Yeah. And I started translating. Uh, and over time, we uh, and doing a, a anti-abortion ministry. Because once I realized, okay, God's law really does apply to Mm. all people, God's moral standards really do apply to all people, I thought, well, you know, abortion, that's that's the low-hanging fruit. You know, that's the way to show the church that we really have a duty in our culture. We have duty to our neighbors. And perhaps, you know, I wanted that to be an incentive to Mm. a deeper study. Because in our context, we are under grace. We're not under law. So forget the Old Testament. That's pretty much, you know, the, right. the standard here. That's so a, that's a, uh, it's such a prevalent misunderstanding, actually, in large parts of the church here as well. Like the idea that yeah. grace and uh, God's old covenant ministry of kindness, the Torah, the law, are somehow at mm-hmm. odds with each other. It's just, yeah, it's yes. everywhere. Sorry, please continue. Carry on. Yeah. So we started doing the anti-abortion ministry and the translation ministry. And over time, a group of people formed mm. and uh, we started meeting regularly for Sunday worship. I would lead the church. You know, I wasn't. Uh, we knew about the CREC. We hoped that one day we would be in the CREC. But we right. uh, first wanted to grow, you know, to like 30, 40 people to, to you know, show that we really mean business. <laughs> Like, it's not obvious Uh, that you mean business already. Yeah, sorry. All right. Yeah. But then, uh, and, you know, this 
just as a as a footnote the situation with real estate is extremely different here than in america because many americans will say well you know if somebody if you don't have a good church move but if you compare the wages that you guys have in america with the wages we have here and the prices of real estate many checks if they are really blessed will be able to move once in their life and it will, everything will have to work out really well for them to be able to make that move. Right, because the real estate so, compared to income is so much more expensive. Is that that's the yeah right. about perhaps seven or eight times more expensive? Oh, okay. In America. Okay, okay. Which I would say, you know, this. So, I would say this is what makes the translation work even more important because generally people won't be able to move to a healthy church. They will have to somehow figure something out more in their local context. Uh, Because of prices of real estate and because we wanted to hopefully one day have something to hand to our children and grandchildren, we moved to a small town or 50,000 people where my wife grew up and where I became a Christian. Mm. And part of the church, by God's grace, was able to move with us. Uh, So the, the church that we had in Prague divided into two groups one stayed near prague mm. hoping to evangelize there and form a separate congregation sooner or later and the part that meets here is smaller so uh we had this group of you know 12 15 depends on how you count the people and we divided that into two so now we have this last sunday we had 11 people meet right. on on sunday so we are really small here one of the reasons being that after we moved here, um, we said, okay, we are going for the CREC, Lord willing, and we didn't. We wanted to wait mm-hmm. before we would do any significant reach out to the community, to the community, to before we would be uh, part of the CREC and before I would be officially ordained. Right, but but did that did that plan uh, to tell us how that plan worked out then? So your ordination. Uh, and the church joining the CRC. When did all that happen? Uh, it started this last winter. We right. became a mission church in March, and I had my ordination exams in September, and I was ordained in October. All right, okay, wow. So you're a fairly recent entrant to the roll call of CRC ministers, yes. right? And um, uh, who is your um, the, the mother church, so to speak? Um, the, the yeah, sports- we are now... Uh, under Poznan, which uh, right. that's uh, our uh, pro tempore elder now is Bogumil Yarmulak, who right. is uh, the presiding minister of our presbytery. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. And, and many ministers and indeed a number of congregations over here in the U.S. will have met uh, Pastor Yarmulak. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we are in a process, or this is something that we are discussing, that there is a church that is closer to us. Right. And we might be moving just because of logistics. We might be moving onto a different church. So right, if okay, somebody yeah, hears yeah. this in, in a year, it might mm-hmm. not be the case. Well, that's often the way. And, and we've had that over here in the U.S. where just with new churches growing and, and new churches beginning, we've redrawn one or two presbytery boundaries just to make administration and communication a bit easier. And we actually had one church move <laughs> most of the congregation from California to Texas. Um because of various uh, social mm-hmm. and political and economic factors. And um, so, yeah, that kind of thing is um, quite significant. Now, um, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about the, the congregation 
there more in more detail because often what happens is as uh over here in the US we might have a podcast like this you and I get to know each other if lord willing you're able to make it over here for a council meeting or something or a, a presbytery meeting we might even meet face to face so our congregation gets to see a little bit of of you and hear a little bit about you but we feel this sense of distance from who the actual human beings are who fill your pews, you know, to whom you preach and for whom you pray and whom you pastor and serve. Could you, it's, it's not a huge group of people. Could you just go through who's in your congregation? I'm not asking for names and I don't want you to embarrass anybody, but just give us a sense of uh, who's there and, and how they join the church and those kinds of things. Well, we have, uh, two young families, mm -hmm. uh, with and they were part of the uh, uh, the uh, quote unquote you know the 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 first group that came because of uh, the translation work and because right. of the anti-abortion work. We have, uh, by God's grace, my father-in-law, mm. who, uh, uh, yeah, that would be a long story. Right. <laughs> uh, we we <laughs> we have some uh, actually. If I was to summarize it, we are a church that largely formed through people knowing each other through Royal Rangers. We have Royal Rangers here as an organization, largely big part of the people employed are not even Christian, but many people knew each other from there. Did, so did you and say Royal Rangers? I'm, I'm missing this. Yes. Can you explain? Is that yes. a, a national organization? Oh, no, that's, uh, it's actually from America. It's something like a Christian scout. Movement, uh, if right. I was to gotcha. Gotcha. Summarize it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, um, so, is it just for, just for men and boys or is it for women and girls as well? Uh, I don't know. I was never a member. Right. You never remember. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. But it's like a and kind of Christian think, social yeah. organization. Something like Christian boy scouts, as right. far as I know. That's the way it's supposed to work here mm. because we are uh, a different culture and we don't have many Christians. It just works differently. Right. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, so, so it's, it's, it, it overlays the already existing, uh, somewhat sketchy shape of the church more broadly, which is in decline. And so it's, yeah, it's got all those features overlaid in it. Okay. Mm. Understood. Um, thank you. You mentioned another subject, which I'd love just to hear you talk about. Uh, because this is something that certainly we as a congregation here at All Saints and many others in the CRC uh, uh, reflect on and pray about a good deal, uh, your anti-abortion ministry. So we have um, the privilege of, of serving alongside and, and uh, indeed a number of our members are volunteers for the Fort Worth Pregnancy Help Center, which is um, mm -hmm. an advice and counseling uh, service designed to help uh, women who have become pregnant unexpectedly and are considering abortion uh, to take another choice. And there's all kinds of other choices which are made available to them and free medical treatment and free advice and free clothes for their kids and so on and advice about adoption services if that's the route they want to choose. So there's there's a whole network of, of practical things that that organization specializes in. Um, I've even had their director, Delana Brooks, on a podcast here, which is just wonderful. And a number of uh, members volunteer there. Um, do you, can you give us a sense of how you've engaged in that anti-abortion ministry mm -hmm. 
in your context? Mm -hmm. Yeah, our context is pretty, it's very different from the American because mm. we don't have anything like abortion clinics. All the abortions happen in regular hospitals. Right. So right. there's not a way to go to preach at a clinic. Mm. Uh, so what we have used, we have uh, been going or we have gone a couple of times to the streets with signs, uh, hoping to, to share the gospel with evangelistic leaflets and all that. We have been on social media uh, sharing, you know, uh, graphics and videos, mm. offering help there. Uh, we also just use basic Google marketing. So when people try to search for abortion, we will be one of the first right, right. Uh, links that comes up. And we hope that uh, people, people will get in touch there. Mm. And of course, when uh, we've uh, got in touch with these mothers, we always uh, want to give them the best we have. So we offer any kind of help that they might need. We offer that we will, uh, we might be able to connect them to a local church. We share the gospel with them. Right. Uh, we've uh, helped to find housing. We have uh, provided you know, material support, all, all sorts of things. We are always uh, very open to adoption. Right. All of the families in yes. our community are. So those would be some of the of the ways. Yeah. Uh, we have been trying to present this, you know, as I mentioned before, as a low hanging fruit for Christians to kind of wake up. Mm. And after six years and after reaching to, uh, I would say, two hundred churches at least, uh, we haven't had any positive reaction. Right. S through this just uh, you know sharing the I don't want to say ideology or the theological persuasion that this is mm. something that we should do something about you've not had a positive so, reaction from those churches is that yes right right yeah well we've I would say we have had worse <laughs> sometimes worse reaction from churches than right, right. from regular unbelievers but that that's normal in anti-abortion yes. ministry yes so this is something that we are rethinking. I should be translating uh, a big book on you know, biblical principles, how to deal with abortion. And maybe we will be centralizing the work into form of an organization and providing more resources, something like yes. uh, the people around uh, Chip Durbin and Abortion Now, for example, do. We are uh, in touch with people from those circles. We have translated uh, or I've translated, uh, you might have seen the documentaries, Babies Are Murdered Here. So we yeah. we know people from these circles, uh, yeah, and to work with we them. are friends with some of them, and we are very grateful for that. Right, great, great. Yeah, it's hard not to say, isn't it, when you have the situation that you describe, um, where churches don't, uh, either don't see the significance of this issue, or even oppose it, because perhaps because it is such a big deal. And, and, and so this issue exposes very, very clearly which side of the line you stand, so to speak. Is that, are, you, are we going to stand on scripture or are we going to allow ourselves to be pressured by um, the culture around us uh, to conform to just what have become just normal expectations? Um, mm -hmm. And all, all the all the euphemisms that surround the abortion industry uh, um, uh, terminate a pregnancy rather than end the life of a child, and mm -hmm. uh, and you, it's hard to think of anything 
that combines the the ruinous moral and social cost of abortion with the uh, the power of a secular way of construing it and and to see churches just yeah. just buy into that whole thing it just is quite hard yeah sometimes it's quite hard to maintain your composure isn't it i mean uh never mind to find words to say to describe it um hmm. have you have you seen any um uh signs of uh, making connection with individual people through the, the ministry, or has that also been frustrating? Well, as I mentioned, you know, uh, just to give you a bit of a picture there, yeah. we have had all the books that I've translated online, and we hope next year to move into printing them and yes. just spreading yeah. them around that they would be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of the hope to flood the little Czech market with, with reformed books. Hmm. Uh, but we have seen, you know, I don't know who these people are. We have seen hundreds and hundreds of downloads of those books. Oh, wow. And so you can, uh, you can, you can track those downloads, obviously, can't you? So you can see that they are being read. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, I see they are being downloaded. I don't know no, whether they're yeah, being fair enough. read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> distinction. And yeah, I have a bunch of uh, young men across the country who find themselves in a similar situation. Right. Uh, they are, you know... <laughs> They follow some American teacher from our circles, mm -hmm. and then they found out that you know the uh, main, you know the vast majority of churches that we have here would be characterized as mainline. Right, right. So right. they find themselves as the only conservatives right. around. Mainline, but meaning meaning they, morally and scripturally compromised, basically. Right. Yes. Yes. And they are wondering, okay, sh should I start a church around me? Or, you know, what, what yeah, should happen what do you in do? this context? What do you do? And, and there's nobody to disciple them that would believe the Bible. Right. So I'm right. in touch with various young men across the country, and I try, and they read the resources, and I, I'm in regular contact with them. Because, as I mentioned previously, very likely they won't be able to move to yeah, our church here or to, to sell and move, yeah. a, a, any other conservative, somewhat conservative church in the country right. because of where they are. Right, right. Now, this is interesting because um, I think there are, I mean, just, just the one thing you talked about in in relation to these, let's say, a, a young man somewhere who's thinking, what should I do? Should I start a church? I've, I've got some friends and we're concerned about these issues. We've been listening to um, Pastor Wilson's sermons and we uh, mm -hmm. listen to some of the CREC podcasts. You know, what, what do we do? Should we start a church? And I was really encouraged by our recent presbytery meeting here in Texas, where um, our presiding minister, Pastor Booth, presented a proposal for a system which would make it easier for c small groups like that to, to begin something in a way which would make convergence with the CREC easier. And the simple truth is just here in America, never mind where you are, we have more people wanting to start CREC churches than we have pastors to staff them and churches to sponsor them. So we're scurrying around trying to figure out ways of cracking those nuts. So we have uh, seminary uh, proposals in the works. We have well, a proposal in the works. We have a church planting uh, structure. Well, we have a, a couple of new working groups focusing on church planting and then this proposal for guided church plants was the terminology that was used and i'm really encouraged to be a part of this denomination for many reasons and one of them is that there is now 
uh, a keen awareness of the opportunity that we now have. And I, I wonder whether, <laughs> that's interesting, we, we've been thinking about the need for guided church plant structures here in the US. It strikes me that you guys might benefit from this almost more because you could have this backed up demand of, you know, just two or three families in this city over there and that city over there and this town down there who just need guidance and want, they don't want to make any stupid mistakes, but they're not ready to be, to be constituted as a church yet. So what do they do? The answer is we, we, we have, or we're on the road to having rather as systems in place, which will help you guys. And it, um, in, if in the Lord's providence, something that we designed to help churches in America or primarily to help churches in America, then starts helping churches in the Czech Republic and elsewhere, that would be wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I, I, I'm conscious you're very busy and, and we've been talking for 40 minutes already. I, I want to mention, um, where are we? I've got, yeah, I want to mention one more thing. Um, and I know you weren't going to mention this, but I am so too bad. And I hope you'll bear with me while I do. Um, and this really is not addressed to you, Jan. It's addressed to those who are listening. There may be any number of people listening, either pastors or elders or just members of churches who think, well, what could I do to support this? And um, uh, the, the simple fact is uh, none of this is possible without financial support from somewhere. And it sounds like you have been providing a great deal of your own financial support by working bivocationally. Um, uh, the bad news is that uh, lack of financial support often compromises many, many good mission and church planting efforts. The good news is for those of us who happen to live in places where incomes are higher, the amount of money needed to support a ministry like this is really quite small. You get a massive bang for your buck by investing in the work of the gospel in a place like the Czech Republic. So if you don't mind, Jan, I'm just going to summarize what you said in your uh, note to Pastor Booth, which was then send out to us would you mind if i did that you i know you're embarrassed by the thought of it but would do you have any objection if i do that because i'm going to anyway right <laughs> like, yeah. okay so look um uh if we by god's grace manage to get two or two and a half thousand dollars a month i could basically focus full-time on translation work if i don't count our little church so basically for for two and you've already got some financial support right so for two grand a month $2,000 a month, or a touch over, maybe 2200 is what the figures here. We could pull you out of the translation work for the secular things that you're doing to support your family. You could become a full-time pastor and, and literature translator, like two grand a month. Yeah, right. and largely, I would say, since we have our own printer, that part of that money would go to printing those resources. Right, right. Well, listen, um, I think uh, we would cheerfully leave in your hands, obviously with the guidance and oversight of your um, uh, sending the church with which you're associated and your presbytery, the, the tactical decisions concerning how exactly to deploy those funds. But it is, uh, it is just, it's almost the only good news, uh, humanly speaking, at the human level, about um, the the challenge of resourcing uh, mission and church planting efforts in cultures uh, where the church is really struggling, and uh, or where 
the Reformed Church is really small. The good news is that those tend to be places, uh, especially in Eastern Europe uh, and in Sub-Saharan Africa, where and in South America as well, where a dollar goes a long way, and two thousand dollars would go an extremely yeah. long way. So, uh, with, without the slightest apology, I make this um, representation to anybody listening. Uh, full disclosure, no arm twisting. Uh, so I'll leave that yeah. to your thoughts and prayers. Um, I believe this is what you said. And oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, if I could just jump in there. Sure. Because um, I have, to be on the brutally honest side of things, I have seen a number of American missionaries who get, in Czech context, big money and not much comes right. from that. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, before the church... And most importantly, before God, I don't want to be that kind of guy. Right, right. So right. if you know, when we are talking about this kind of money, uh, and since you already brought it up, I don't want this to sound like, "Hey, send me your money, and maybe I will, you know, translate something." Though, what I would prefer when it comes to the support of the translation work, to agree with a specific church mm. on a translation project. Yes. Or yes. to agree with a specific donor on a translation project. Mm. I would like to see. J.C. Raz Holiness translated into Czech. Right. How much will that cost? Right. And let's agree on that. And so that there would be accountability. That it would be project by project accountability. That sounds that great. Would be you know something that I, pref that I would prefer. You know, um, I, I think it's really interesting, Young, because I think that's that, that highlights your shrewdness as a pastor. Um, if you happen to be the pastor of the Church of Fifteen and the chief translator of literature at the beginning of a resurgence which we pray this will be um, you need to guard yourself against some fairly obvious temptations and to see you proactively doing that something else you you, you summarized here in the the, the book the the guy the, the text you sent out uh, is well that will be mighty encouraging to pastors here and elsewhere to see your awareness of that so we thank god for that jan um I was. I had something else in my mind to say, but I, it's um, it's gone. I'm speechless, really. That's the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, I, I think we should leave it there, um, Pastor Prorok, uh Thank you very much for your time. I know it's precious, and uh, this is taken away from it, but I hope it will be fruitful. Um, uh, just on the off chance, if anybody wanted to get more information about uh, your work, um, you do have a website. Um, I'm going to ask our tech guys here to put that in the show notes for the podcast and mm -hmm. YouTube. Um, if for some reason uh, you're not able to locate that, or you get hold of this recording in another way, please contact me here at All Saints Presbyterian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Steve Jeffrey, you can do that by email, um, sj at allsaintskirk.com, uh, or just find some way of getting in touch with us. Uh, or with Jan Borok in the Czech Republic, and uh, you'll be able to go from there. The internet has many problems, but one of the things it does allow us to do well is to communicate with each other. Um, any final words from you, Pastor Borok, before we go? Well, I just want to thank you for your time and for your interest in the work here and in the, in the people here mm -hmm. in this country. And we are very grateful that we can be part of the CREC. We have been... Yeah really encouraged and edified by the work of the denomination in the years past and yeah. lord willing uh we will be building that culture for the glory of our king for many decades to come amen. that's hope amen let's pray all right 
Um, thank you very much, sir. Really appreciate you. And we will, I hope, uh, hear more from you. I, I, I realize this is a long shot because of our uh, vaccine regulations uh, for entry into the US and also the cost of coming over here. But I guess there's even a small chance, by God's grace, that you might make it over here for our council meeting later this year in 2023. Um, please, if you do, could I have five minutes of your time to give you a hug, shake your hand and thank God for you? <laughs> yeah, be glad. All right. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And uh, to all those of you who are listening and watching, I hope you found this as um, occasionally uh, moving and exciting as I have. Uh, the Lord bless you. And see you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>